Um, I think the cool thing is, is if you kind of work backwards from uh, Mrs. Brisby, the widow of Jonathan Brisby, you do get Mrs. Brisby, the young hot mouse who ran into this freak show who can read people letters and was like, I'd fuck that and did. Listen, if I met a sexy Neanderthal um, that knew <laughs> about um, code, uh, I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's head it off. Welcome to Mortified, the Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And in an alternate universe, there is no way I'm not a fucking furry. (laughs) (laughs) Really? That's that's the one you're going to crack? It's so early. It's so early for this. And this week, we go on a mouse-sized adventure with The Secret of Nim. Before we talk about the ups and downs of AD storytelling, remember you can help us on Mortified the Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at MortifiedPod. Most, most importantly, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Please. Next Next week is our Scorpio season special. Oh, not next week, sorry. In two weeks is our Scorpio season special. Today is the start of Scorpio season. That means it's almost our birthdays, and there would be no better gift from a bunch of strangers than y'all retweeting our little tweets and being like, hey, these guys are funny and occasionally insightful. Our podcast is good. If you listen, you know this. And we don't and want a big audience. other people should have that. We don't want a big audience. We want like an intimate group of chuckle fucks. Yes, and with your help, <laughs> we can have a slightly larger intimate chuckle fuck group. Um, Layla. Aaron. You like mice stories? Apparently, yeah. I mean, like, were you ever, like, a mice kid, though? Like, did you read Redwall? No. Uh, so I missed... Uh, so, okay. When I was a little kid, I had that, like, immigrant culture gap. So mm-hmm. not a lot of things broke through uh, between the years of 2001 and 2005. So I'm aware of Redwall, but I never read mm-hmm. it. It, like, missed my scope. Did you? So here's the thing. I don't think I've ever actually read Redwall, um, but I've read, like, other books in the Redwall universe. Like, I think that's the thing that bridges the gap between, like, you know, kids' books and, like, fantasy, like, YA fantasy, like, for me. Like, because I remember definitely, like, uh, there's a story about a badger with a huge fucking sword. And I was like, I want to read that book. Um, and now, unfortunately, I'm the person I am today uh, who talks a lot about military tactics. Uh, so, you know, be careful when you get on that fantasy pipeline. But, um, you know, my, I feel like Little Mouse stories are, like, pretty pretty popular, right? Um, of course, there's, you know, there's this, right? There's Secret of Nim. But there's also um, Tale of Despero, I feel like, was popular when we were young. Uh, as well. Did you ever get into that? I did not. Uh, I was into The Rescuers. That was my mouse story okay, of yeah. choice. Okay, yeah. There's another, also another great... uh, Fievel, an American tale. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Those are, those, are the one, those are the key ones I can think of um, in terms of popular mouse stories of that era. Yeah, no, I think that's a good spread, and I think it kind of gives us some background for, for what we're about to talk about, because, like, so I did watch The Secret of Nim when I was, like, young, like, probably not older than first grade. Um, and what I remember of it is that it was about, like, rat rats that got experimented on. But, like, watching this back, I was like, oh, there's no fucking way I made it through this movie. It's too scary. <laughs> it is very like, scary. 
like for for a young me who like listen even even to this day i am not a person who handles like scary things especially well but like there are some like animation choices there there are some like frightening moments in this film that's like oh young aaron could never have made it through which is a shame because this is like a pretty good story even if i disagree with some of the the choices they made narratively i think it's a great a great little animated movie and i wish that we had animation support like this in in 2020 yeah uh, yeah, there's no way this a film like this gets made in 2020. It is too scary and too weird. Um, so <laughs> when I was six or seven, maybe younger, even five, it was this movie and The Lion King that were on repeat at our house. <laughs> like, that, this is the movie five-year-old Layla saw and was like, this is going to be my personality for the next 20 years. Um, I don't know what that says about me. I don't want to find out. I just, like, I've seen this movie almost as many times as I've seen The Lion King, and I've seen The Lion King very much. So, uh, you want to talk about what it's about? Or rather, do you want me to talk about what it's about? I want you to talk about what it's about, because I, listen, listeners, you may have noticed that we didn't put up an episode last week. It's because we talked about the Lock Trilogy, and I was sick, um, and it was unlistenable so maybe if you you know stick around that'll come out as a bonus episode but uh yeah so my bad. uh at this point of the three locked tomb bo- books that are <laughs> out we've recorded episodes on all of them and only have gideon released um it is because we were baby podcasters when we recorded harrow and we were um it, the things we said were a little bit unbecoming of like us and the way we feel about media generally so we mm-hmm. took it off. And then uh, this one just, uh, Aaron was sick and I was <laughs> barely there. So it is unlistenable. So what we've decided is when we read Electo, which we will read Electo, we're in too deep, we got to do it. Um, we're going to just kind of do a locked tomb retrospective uh, and cover everything then. So uh, if you're mm-hmm. like dying to hear us talk about those books for some reason, sorry about it. Maybe maybe there will be a little bit of a bonus episode at some point. One day. One day. One day. Um, so, uh, The Secret of Nim is a movie by uh, Disney trader Don Bluth and his his camp, uh, meaning that you can be prepared for some magical hijinks, uh, storytelling choices that don't necessarily make sense but have great vibes, and uh, the archetypical uh, kind of stupid Don Bluth boyfriend. Uh, he is a rat this time, so it, you know, it's a little different than than Dimitri and the prince from Thumbelina, but you know, still still the same uh, kind of like good boy vibes. Uh, so the movie is fundamentally about Mrs. Brisby and her uh, beautiful children and her son Timmy, who gets sick. Uh, but he gets sick right before moving day because you see the farm that they live on the tractors are about to start their harvest and their house is in the way of the tractor so they have to move it to the safe side of the tree so that uh, they don't get plowed the fuck over by the tractor pretty wise unfortunately Timmy can't go outside because he's got such a bad fever so the only other solution before moving day is to move the fucking house uh, so w- after a close call with an early start on the tractor, uh, thanks to, uh, our, our gal, uh, Auntie Shrew, who stopped that with direct action, um, <laughs> Mrs. Brisby finds out that there are these rats under the rosebush, uh, and that she should go seek help from them. These rats are smart rats. They steal electricity. They're learned rats. And she goes to them and she says, hey, I'm Mrs. Brisby. And they go, oh! <gasps> 
like Jonathan Brisby. And so she finds out that her mouse husband was experimented on along with these rats, and that's why he can read. Crazy. But so she goes to these rats, and the rats are like, you know what? Jonathan was like a cool, sick dude. We really love Jonathan. Yes, we will help you move your house. Here's all the shit we're going to do. One problem. You got to go drug the cat on the farm. So Mrs. Brisby, housewife, has to fucking go on this killer mission to drug the cat. I believe his literal name is Lucifer. His name is Dragon. Dragon. Sorry, Lucifer is the cat from Cinderella. They just look the same. Same vibe. Same vibe. So she has to go drug Dragon, and then they have to go move her house with this, like, very complicated uh, crane engineering technology to the safe side of the tree root. Problem, our villain with the best cape work in animation you'll ever fucking see, Jenner, is like, this is the time for my coup, actually. I'm going to fuck up this whole woman's family to drop this giant cinder block on Nicodemus, our current leader, who I think is pussy shit. So... He drops the giant brick on Nicodemus. Nicodemus dies. And uh, our good Don Bluth boyfriend, Justin, decides to fight Jenner instead. Uh, he kills Jenner in a pretty <laughs> gruesome way for a children's uh, movie. Uh, you know how villains usually, they'll like drop off a cliff and, and the hero is like, no, I didn't want you to die. No, they wanted that bitch to die. He gets stabbed between there, the shoulders. In Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2, the last fight you have with the boss is you have to throw a knife at him. Uh, it's basically the same thing that happens in this movie. Yeah, it's it's really Call of Duty Raturn Warfare. Uh, down in that fucking bog and so uh mrs brisby uh after as all of this is happening and her house is drowning and and you know things are very tense there's a lot of orchestral music happening all the animals she's met along the way the crows the rats they're all trying to help her the shrew um what she has is this amulet from nicodemus that uh had something to do with her husband and basically only mrs brisby with the power of love and trusting in herself can use this magical spiritual amulet to raise her house move it out of the mud to the safe side of the tree um and everyone's like whoa mrs brisby you're amazing and then you know cut to uh, the, the spring or the summer everyone's safe everyone's happy timmy's well uh the stupid gay crow has a girlfriend now uh, you know, everyone's everyone's chilling and happy and content. Uh, and that is The Secret of Nim. It is a fantastic film. Uh, it's beautifully animated. It is very spooky for little children. Uh, but I love it. And I would watch it a hundred more times. I say what is if I can't. I will be watching it a hundred more times. Did that do it? Yeah, no, I think you hit all the main points. All right, let's talk about uh, our girl, Mrs. Brisby. What did you think of her? I like her a lot. I think she is extremely effective as a protagonist character. Um, you know, I right. I, I think there is something to be said of like, oh no, it's it's a mom. We have to make this character a mom. But like, the thing is that this character is was as actually a mom, right? It's not the thing we see in a lot of um, TV shows, or especially like like anime. I, I feel like it does this a lot, where it's like, okay, this woman is like going to be a protector, and in that way, she is inhabiting the role of mother, which she is not yet, but she will be. Um, and if that's not the case here, Mrs. Brisby has four goddamn children, uh, and they're all little terrors, except for sweet Timmy, uh, which is great, because that's how kids are. Um, 
And, uh, you know, I, I think she's, she's, you know, she's brave, but she's also, you know, empathetic and she, she tries to mind her manners, but also she like gets fed up, especially like with Jeremy, right? She's like, come on, man, you're going to get us killed, dude. Um, I think she's a very good, um, protagonist. I, I like her a lot. Uh, you're going to get us killed and you know nothing about women. Yeah. I think Mrs. <laughs> Brisby is like fun because yes, she is a mom. Yes. She's like, you know, the protector and you're completely right. Like she is a mom. So it's you know, there's there's no bone to pick there. You'd have to really yeah. fucking stretch. Um, I think the cool thing is is if you kind of work backwards from uh, Mrs. Brisby, the widow of Jonathan Brisby, you do get Mrs. Brisby, the young hot mouse who ran into this freak show who can read people letters and was like, I'd fuck that and did. Listen, if I met a sexy Neanderthal um, that knew <laughs> about um, code, uh, I'd be like, yeah, sure. <laughs> Let's head it off. Exactly. So Mrs. Brisby saw that little freak Jonathan Brisby and was like, that's for me. Thank you. Um, and they had four beautiful children together, uh, including mm-hmm. uh, my good friend, Timmy. Um, he's great. Jeremy. Jeremy's a crow. So he's one of the companion characters. This crow is incredibly well-intentioned, but the dumbest thing you'll ever see in your life. Uh, he really likes string. Um, watching this through my current lens, uh, I think I do think Jeremy's a bisexual king. Um, he's too into, like, I- interior decorating, you know, to be uh, completely mm-hmm. heterosexual. Or at least he's very comfortable in his masculinity. Mm-hmm. And we, we got to give it up for that. Um, Jeremy is a weird character, I feel. And maybe that's because, one, I've not seen very much, um, one, media from the 80s at all. But two, ch- especially children's media. But, like, he doesn't do anything narratively. He does not change the story in any Oh, well... She he allows he helps Mrs. Brisby fly to the Great Owl, I suppose. Um, but like he he doesn't you know affect the narratives that significantly. He is you know a, a side character through and through. But like what I like about him is that he also allows us to see the color of the world. We get to see how um, Mrs. Shrew interacts with him. We get to see how the kids interact with him, and those are both very fun because it's just like what is this fucking guy? What was this fucking guy? Let's let's beat the shit out of him. <laughs> Um, every single one of them is just, like, beating the shit out of Jeremy, and it's great. Um, and, you know, like, I, he is a comic relief character in that way, but I think he's also very fun. I don't know why they had to end the film on his plot arc of wanting to get laid, um, becoming successful, but, like, I, sure, whatever. Yeah, gotta wrap it up for him. Uh, you know, putting it in that framing, I think he's necessary because without Jeremy, the movie is just scary and not very fun at all. That's fair. Uh, so the kids do need to laugh a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's a delightful time. He's very fun. Now that I think about the Don Bluth canon, though, I do wonder if he has some beef with birds. Because um, if you think about Thumbelina, Jacques is useless. Um, have you seen Thumbelina? I have not. Okay. So Jacques is a swallow that is in Thumbelina, and he roams around, and he sings with his funny little hat. And there is a point at which Thumbelina is fucking stranded and she's just like been kidnapped by the frogs and she sees Jacques who can fly and she's Mm -hmm. like so close to her house but she's tiny so you know it's not that close at all literally you could see the house in the background and Jacques comes down he's like oh Thumbelina the prince is in love with you and she's like great can you take me to him and he's like oh true love finds a way and he like completely misinterprets the conversation and flies away useless <laughs> he could have just taken her home the movie could have been 15 minutes long um so i do wonder if don bluth maybe has some beef with birds or just thinks they're like exquisitely stupid 
Um, Auntie Shrew, um, I think you, you, you had a fun note about her, which is like, you're, you don't like her in the way you're supposed to not like her, which is she's nosy. Yes. Right, you know, I mean, she's definitely, right, she is an auntie, right, capital A, like, you know, all up in your business, you know, talking about how the kids are so rude, you know, telling you about how to live your life, but, like, she also does, you know, effectively save the children and wards Mrs. Brisby, right, she she and Mrs. Brisby together take out a full fucking tractor, um, which is very cool, um, I, I think she completely serves the purpose that, that she's here for, and you gotta respect that. I think, like, some of the most intense sequences in children's animation are these, like, animals versus giant machines. Machines. So it's it's Mrs. Brisby and Auntie Shrew versus the tractor. And then I would also like to put up to the committee um, the chickens and chicken run uh, versus that pie machine. We got we to gotta watch Chicken Run one of these days because I remember watching that a ton as a kid. I couldn't tell you anything about the plot right now, but I we should, we should revisit that's that. That's another movie that's I have also... memorized because when I came over to the States, it was like the one VHS I had. So I would mm-hmm. just watch uh, Chicken Run and the stop motion Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer like on repeat. So God. those <laughs> Chicken Run and The Secret of Nim are two movies that I just like have etched into my psyche. I could give you a... Chicken Run, <laughs> I... Secret of Nim, Rudolph, it is a wonder that you were anything but an animator right <laughs> truly i watched all the like all the like animators movies you know like, mm-hmm. these bitches mm-hmm. out here watching the little mermaid i'm like oh show me the, the movie about bell gibson being an american rooster upsetting all the british chickens um, i forgot mel gibson was the rooster jesus he hasn't, he's, oh, been, he's been recast for the sequel oh hell yeah <laughs> there uh, we go so we got the kids uh again timmy my boy, the sweetest, and then the other three fucking clowns. <laughs> I mean, uh, Martin is very funny because, like, you know, actually, the the mouse in Redwall is named Martin, but, like, Martin in here, he's just, like, a kid. He's like, I'll fucking, I'll fuck up anything. I'll, I'll kick that crow's ass. I'll kick the owl's ass. I'll kick dragon's ass. And, you know, he's, like, you know, about the size. Like, you, you could easily fit in your palm. He's just, like, a little mouse. Um, but he's, like, you know, he's, like, a 12-year-old kid who wants to, to fight. Uh, he, he gets in the anti-Shrew's face, and he's very rude. Um, you know, I think Cynthia and Teresa are very much just, like, you know, uh, girls that are, like, trying to, you know, mess around with their brothers, but also, you know, are, are a little bit more responsible than them. Um, Timothy, <clears throat> my beef with Timothy is that he should be dead as fuck. <laughs> he should be quite dead is the thing. <laughs> That kid has has an immune system and also bones of steel because he did sur- they all survived some shit. That they should be, be all wiped the fuck out. They are the children of like a weird mutant mouse. That's true. They have some their genes are all. This is what COVID is going to do to our children. Um is to, is the the vaccine is going to alter their DNA and make them so strong that they could survive pneumonia and also having concrete blocks on on dropped on them. So that's good. That is good. Yeah. Uh, For new listeners, this is a joke. I must. I must just straight up. <laughs> I work in public health. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Good. A good. I feel like a hundred and what twenty episodes in. A good disclaimer to make. Um, yeah, just for the record. Uh, then we got uh, Mr. Ages. Uh, I love his weird little lab. Yeah, I like his his lab is very fun. That was the first thing that like I saw in this movie. And I was like, oh, they really like put a lot of heart into like each background scene. Like it is exquisitely detailed in a way that like I I don't know that they they just don't make them like this no more. No, that entry into the rose bush because okay, so it's the rose bush and then underground is this like rat compound. There's like mm-hmm. a meeting hall. It's got stories. There's a fucking laboratory. There's so much going on under that rose bush. And, like, 
it truly each reveal is so fun um i love those rats the rats of nim fucking rule uh but i love mr ages because he's cranky uh just, yeah. just a cranky he's, old he's man. a grumpy old man love to see it love to see it him and his broken ass leg and he's like you went to see the owl by yourself crazy bitch <laughs> No mm-hmm. sense of self-preservation, and she's like, I don't know what to tell you. I'm the wife of Jonathan Brisby. I fucked a reading mouse. Like that's it just <laughs> is what it is. Um, I had such a crush on Justin when I was a little yeah, kid. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> it is like a wonder I am not a furry. It really is because when you think about it, like I, Justin, self-insert me and Justin OTP when I was a little kid. Like I was like, I love that rat. Uh, my sexual awakening was definitely Nala from The Lion King. You know exactly the shot I'm talking about when she's making those fucking bedroom eyes. Mm-hmm. Uh, followed by Kovu from Lion King 2. Still hot for him. Um, I always thought Robin Hood was pretty cute. Uh, also, uh, the uh, Maid Marian. I thought she was pretty hot in that, that flick. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it is truly like a wonder that I ended up not a furry, albeit a monster fucker. You know what I mean? So there's like a tint yeah. of that still there, but listen, shocker. they're they're like a, a step removed. Listen, they're they're Miss Brisby's attractive. Like I get it. She's got like, beautiful eyes. I, mm-hmm. Like like I understand the appeal. Um Justin is um you know, he's I think he is the same as I mean, not that I've seen many Don Bluth films, but I feel like you kind of hit his archetype pretty squarely on the head. He's kind of like a himbo that wants to do what's best, and that's what we love. Yeah, and he uh, he does do a murder, which is great. <laughs> Listen, if if your if your dumb boyfriend can swing a sword, all the better. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought it was pretty hot when I was a kid. Um, <laughs> arguably, he's kind of hot now. Um, all right. <laughs> listen, he'd make a great stepdad. That's all I'm saying. Uh, so Nicodemus. <laughs> Uh, is the old, 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 old rat that is just, like, the mm-hmm. head of all this. He's got these, like, I think about Nicodemus's hands all the time when I'm, like, yeah. what I think is an appealing, like, visual style to depict that, like, all those knuckles and all that detail that goes into hands. I think They about, look like tree roots, they yeah. They look like tree roots. It's so good. I love that old man. He's just wise and chill. He's also explicitly magical, which I think is very fun. Yeah, he's a very uh, Yeah, um, like, I just, there's just a couple of sequences of, like, just straight up magic in here. Like, there's a lot of, like, you know, quote unquote, like, like technology, right? They're using electricity to do all their cool shit in, in the rose bush. Um, but Nicodemus is just a wizard, which rules. Yeah, and, like, listen, I think if I watched this movie for the first time now, I'd question that, but I didn't as a kid. I was like, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, like, I, I questioned it, but also, like, you know, that's not, it's not like to, to nitpick, right? It's just like, that's funny that he's just magical. Um, it's fine that, that they don't, like, introduce it. I mean, like, they introduce it in that that character exists and he's magical, and right, and it gets paid off later with the amulet. It's like, okay, magic is real and powerful in this, and that's that's more than enough. It's set real up and, and powerful, it's but fine. it is limited, is the thing. Sure. So you sure. don't expect that amulet to, like, replicate. Sure. I thought that was fun. Yeah, no, it, it's good. I, I like Nicodemus. I, I I think he's a cool character, and he serves his purpose, which is to, you know, say, hey, you know, I, you've, I've brought you in after your very long journey. I'm going to, you know, comfort you, tell you it's all right, and then I'm going to die. Uh, and that's going to, that's, that's just what the mentor so, character does. So fucking murdered. It's, it's going to be so bad. There's going to be a shot. <laughs> Jenner's like, I want to crush his bones, and then he does follow up on that and crushes Nicodemus's bones. He does do that as the thing. Um, so Jenner, who's Jenner's, like, shitty little assistant? He has um, one. Le- 
he does um the guy who eventually uh, deals the death blow to him um let's see i think his name might be sullivan but he is just kind of like a you know a henchman rat jenner gets introduced uh in the big meeting hall scene where he's like trying to you know pitch his weird evil manifesto and there is uh what has to be if i can picture it in my head like a four second shot of him swirling his big fucking cape and it just slowly falling back into place and that is the best cape work in all of animation uh that entrance for a character i knew everything i needed to know about him he was evil and had a flair for the dramatic and i was like i'm in have you ever seen who framed roger rabbit i have i love that movie Okay, I have not, but there's what the one line that I know from it, which is um, Jessica Rabbit's famous, I'm not bad, I'm just drawn that way. Mm-hmm. That's what 100% all you need to know about Jenner, is that he's just the most evil-looking motherfucker you've ever seen. Uh, he kicks ass. He's so pointy. Though, you know what's funny? I think he's one of the only villains I can think of that's not, like, explicitly queer-coded. Oh, no, yeah, he's a straight dude. He's just, like, a, a evil straight man. He's just a guy. Um, Finally. And... That's fine, you know? It's it's good for him. I'm glad that we're not, you know, back in 1982, Don Bluth was not like, mm, we should we should probably not villainize gay people, right? Um, yeah, listen, I don't so know if shout it was out. that deep. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, of course, right? But still. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's nice to see some straight representation in the villain realm. Um, Finally. <laughs> my people. <laughs> yeah, because you guys are totally angels otherwise. Um, I think so. <laughs> and I got some honorable mentions here. I just, uh, we'll talk about this in our talking points, but I thought that Dragon and the the Great Owl were just really cool. Um, like, I, I thought Dragon was very was very fun as just, like, a threat, even though Dragon doesn't talk at all. Just, like, the size, the sheer size of Dragon was, was very endearing. And also with the Great Owl, there's just a shot of him, like, getting close to Mrs. Brisby to, like, inspect her. And, like, his eyes are, like, headlights, so it, like, casts a light around her. And I thought that kicked ass, that his lights actually, his eyes actually glowed. That was so cool. Oh, my God. That owl, I'll try to find the owl sequence on YouTube and link it in our show notes. Because it's just, like, there's so much weight to the owl, the way he moves. And he's so ancient. He's in that fucking tree. And you don't know how long for because every time he moves, it's like the earth moves with him and he's moving these mm-hmm. like stretchy cobwebs. And it's yeah. just so, man, I, maybe, maybe that's why I always like appreciate scale in things like Elden Ring. I love the sense of scale in Elden Ring, how mm-hmm. small you mm-hmm. feel in this land of giants. Um, Maybe maybe that's where it came from because I just remember being a little kid and just being like, "Wow, like he is so big and so scary." Um, I love that fucking owl. He's so good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I do want to talk about the ending for one of our talking points because, like, I I thought it was a little bit of uh, you know a, a Deus Ex Machina in the way that like it was resolved because like basically right at the very end her children are sinking into the mud and like their house is is being buried um and the the necklace that she was given just gives her the power to save them um and like you know deus ex machina is a little bit unfair because like it was kind of set up earlier like the necklace was like physically given to her um and and i looked up why they made this choice um and don bluth basically said that like um 
the magical amulet is a representation of her character's internal power. Um, the stoner amulet is just a method of letting the audience know that Mrs. Brisby has found a courage of the heart. Magic, maybe. Spiritual, yes. Right? So, like, you know, it is magical. It is meant to, you know, be like, okay, she's completed her arc, and because she's completed her arc and found her courage, she's able to complete this. But, like, you know, it di- if you're going to make it diegetic, um, it is kind of a weird choice to be like, and then she gets telekinesis. Um, but like, I, I think that's a little bit of a, you know, a silly criticism to make of a kid's film. Uh, but I did find it a little bit weird. Yeah. It's, Do you have any thoughts about this? It's an interesting change to make from the source material. But I think I think Don Bluth in that same uh, excerpt is right in saying like you... If you're omitting stuff from the book, you want a satisfying ending in which Mrs. Brisby grows. That's, you know, you can't really have kids media where that doesn't happen. Uh, just not how the genre, the, the like genre sure. works. Um, sure. But it is, it is weird, but it's weird in a way I want to celebrate because, like... Yeah. I think we should make weirder kids shit. Like... Sure. Owl House is weird, right? And I'm, like, obsessed <laughs> with it. I think it's great programming. Courage the Cowardly Dog was weird. Uh, Adventure Time, arguably, was, like, weird, right? Like, <laughs> we don't have enough of that because everything's so sanitized and, like, two corporations own all the media anybody consumes ever. Um, more weird 80s shit with unexplained magic. I feel like that was the vibe back then, you know? Um, yeah. And it should be the vibe more often. Yeah, you know, I guess I think that's that's more of a me problem, right? Is, is the is the honest fact because like I am somebody who's trying to get commercially published, and like one thing that I've been taught, you know, since I started trying to figure out how to write for for you know a market is that you know you have to adhere to certain storytelling rules, and the three act structure is one of those rules that you just kind of have to adhere to if you want to get published in the United States. Um, like you have a character who you know has a problem. They the problem is the problem is complicated. The problem is resolved, um, and they change from the beginning of that problem to the end of that problem. Um, and also, you have to you know set up a series of of, of guns, right? That's that's Chekhov's Chekhov's gun. Um, but you know, it's not the fact that that is an ironclad rule in a lot of media. Like I understand why. I think it is more satisfying if you if you set up a thing and it doesn't come out of nowhere, right? Because it does kind of take away some of the impact of this thing if it's not you know if it if it's not set up before um but like at the same time i think you're right especially in kids media especially when it's doing something as cool and unique as secrets of nim which is like uh yeah so basically uh the national institutes for mental health turned (laughs) made rats fucking geniuses like i feel like you you probably should be able to get away with more weird stuff um and, and you know like because this is the 80s or rather because we live in the 2020s like as you say everybody you know everything is owned by like eight companies um i do wish that we were seeing more weird stuff that maybe even if it doesn't narratively work like they are trying for something they're taking big swings Uh, i don't know that this was maybe as big of a swing you know the fucking what's that movie about a kid who can go into books and like the the part was like um live action but when when he went inside the books it was like cartoons do you did you ever i'm gonna look that up because that's definitely a thing like it's like story storyteller or page teller or page master maybe ink i'm gonna master? look that up maybe no ink um, masters is a tattoo thing um but like like that's the thing like maybe this wasn't as inventive in the 80s but it like seeing it now you know it's like oh that's that's really cool um 
So that is definitely a me thing. I, I just want to say. Yeah, I would front. like to argue that the amulet was as, as set up as it needs to be, only because there is like this. When she first gets it, the shot that introduces the amulet is this like beautiful painted, glowing close up on it with like her reflection in it, which is pretty rad. And then I'm looking mm-hmm. at, of course, I have a poster in my office of the Secret of Nim. Uh, I'm looking at my poster in my office, and it is pretty <laughs> front and center. That amulet, um, her and like Jonathan are looking at it on on sitting on like a tree branch over the title. So uh, you know, I I think it's I think it's 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 enough. You know what I mean? Like I'm not yeah, asking no. much out of a 90 minute flick, and it's so beautiful and it's so good and like spooky and weird and and you know Justin's hot. So it's, it's a great movie. Great, great. Um. To to get into why I I liked this uh, a lot also is because like I feel like uh, I've been exposed to a lot of media where you are a little a little mouse um, in the in the last couple of of years um, and, and I think there's or not even a little mouse just like a little guy um, and I and I think there's something appealing about being very small and seeing the world from the perspective of something that's very small and being like oh the world's like. You know, if I was small, man, that would that would be terrible because because things are so big and and terrifying. Um, how, how did you hear anything about the Obsidian game Grounded? No. Okay. Um, it's basically Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, but like a survival RPG. <laughs> um, and like I normally don't like those at all, but I did play the demo on Game Pass, and I thought it was really neat because like you're like herding ladybugs, and like you have to to fight you know like spiders are one of the big enemies um and what's very funny is that they have accessibility settings that's like or not accessibility but like approachability like if you have arachnophobia you can turn down how spider like the spiders look um where like you know at number at number 10 you know they're very realistic spiders and at number one they're basically like a smiley face uh, <laughs> a blob of that's a smiley face and it's like oh that's fun i like that that's fun yeah, yeah, I would I would argue um, I would argue Elden Ring is kind of a little guy game, um, not to the extent I we're, suppose so. Not to the extent we're talking about now, but like everything yeah. is so large in comparison. Yeah. Um, sure. Also, a big fan of uh, the, <laughs> a Bug's Life. I still think about how big those raindrops were in a Bug's Life, and that bird yeah. scene was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of like appeal to to seeing that a world from like that new perspective because Mm -hmm. on the other hand if you're like okay what if i embiggen then you become a threat to the world right because you could accidentally crush some shit but if you're just a Mm -hmm. little guy yeah things are just spookier for you yes so like (laughs) i hate to make a reference to this film but like there was a one line in it that i thought was very effective um in jurassic world from 2015 they're talking about the the you know the cyber t-rex whatever the the new monster they made uh and they're they're yelling at um the doctor and and they're like you know you created a monster um and he's like to a canary a cat is a monster um and like that's a little bit of a corny line but like i also like it a lot because it does emphasize the truth about the world that like everything is relative um and no in no type of media is that more true in like mouse stories right that's why i like dragon and the great owl so much because like 
dragon is functionally a dragon, right? And, the, and the, like, similarly, the owl is functionally a dragon compared to these mice, right? Because they are so much bigger than them. Like, you know, it is it is impossible. Like, you, you know, when you do mouse media, you often get mice fighting with weapons that are like a needle, right? I think that's Tale of Despero's weapon is, is like literally just a needle. Um, because like, that's what you can do against a cat or an owl, right? Otherwise, you're fucked. And like, it is so fun for me to think that like my little sweet baby girl, um, I, aka Scout, my little cat, my little one-eyed cat that I love so much like i you know I, I hold her and i bounce her and she you know s- you know gets on my chest and, and whines until she sleeps on until i let her sleep on my chest every night and also that adorable little face was the last thing some poor rodent saw in my first my first apartment with her um because like she is functionally a killing machine and i love that for her yeah uh wow no love for vincent vincent i love him too he's my sweet baby boy he is not motivated to hunt <laughs> He, he knows where his food comes from, and it's me and his mom. Uh, yeah, Toulouse is the same way. I haven't seen him uh, murgle anything in a long time. Uh, I will say, I think him and my dog did get a spider um, recently. Thank fuck, finally. I killed like 40 <laughs> of them a fucking day in the summer. Um, I do think they grounded into my carpet because I just... I, Gross. I wasn't wearing my glasses. I didn't want to look, you know what I mean? I didn't want to know what mm-hmm. it was. I was like, it doesn't matter. Yep. Just vacuum it up. Yep. Uh, but my cat Toulouse also cuddly little purr machine, just so drooly. So the fact that his big fat round face was the last thing that spider saw, you know, magic <laughs> for him. Um, um, but yeah. There's also, um, there's a PlayStation VR game called Moss where you get to play as a, as a little mouse. And like, that's really fun to actually physically like be in the headspace of a little mouse. I'll also um, shout out, uh, there's a new, um, my friend's company just published, uh, the spirit in the mouse. Uh, oh, so there's another mouse game. You guys can go play. My wife told me about that. That yeah, that looks fun. And lastly, as a tabletop um, you know enthusiast, Mouse Ritter um, M A U S R I T T E R is like probably the quintessential like tabletop game where you are a little mouse. Um, it's an OSR style. In in which case, I you know I think there's definitely issues with how OSR games are, are played as far as their narratives are concerned. But like I was I was reading through Mouse Ritter again while re- watching this film, and I was like, actually this I this fantasy is very very appealing. Going back, so like Mouse Ritter is free. We'll drop a link in the in the show notes. But like if you have any interest in tabletop games check out mouse raider because it's real cool hell yeah i like that the end of this just turned into like little guy recommendations like hey if you if you want to just it's, scale it's your life fun down. to be a little guy it is quite fun to be a little guy um layla if you were making i'm a small little guy media property do you have any you have any thoughts about what that might look like do you I mean, I think the the actual answer is just like some sort of mouse ridder spinoff where like you and a bunch of other little mice have to go and deal with, um, you know, uh, an evil lord that is basically just like uh, a cat in somebody's apartment that's just like, uh, you know, sending other mice out to do its bidding. (laughs) I think that'd be very funny. Would be very funny. I think I'd like to do a secret of Nim Souls like. I think Mrs. Also very good. I think Mrs. Brisby should get a gun. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the secret of nim very large book the secret of nim and mrs brisby had an ak very small book yeah. <laughs> march under that rose bush not even uh-huh. had to convince anybody even jenner would be like fine 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 all right all right jesus um yeah no i just i i think that's all very fun um you know i think i think a souls like game where you as a little mouse fight a tractor would be cool as hell
Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, it's one of those things where I think about the amulet, where, like, you wouldn't even have to introduce a mechanic for the magic in the game. You could just do the JRPG thing, where you kind of put the fight on rails and make it super cinematic, and yet somehow satisfying, like the final sure. fight in Breath of the Wild, that I think about all the time. I'm so excited for Tears of the Kingdom! <laughs> Next year. Speaking of little months. guys, give me my little guy back! We'll see him soon. We'll oh. see him soon. Layla, when we are not pining over our lack of little guys, um, where can we be found on the internet? Find me at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, just kind of busy, you know, just just trying to make it, uh, I'll, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. Uh, Aaron, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Aaron SXL, or tweet about tabletop RPGs, health policy, and writing. I have a YouTube channel that's at A period, A period, Voight, um, where I do tabletop uh, reviews and essays. Uh, They're very good so- and everyone likes them. I think so, certainly. Um, I also do another podcast with my friends, Michael and Josh. That's at The Bible Boys. We are finishing up our spooky season. Um, ideally, tomorrow we will record an episode on the classic found footage film, Blair Witch Project, um, which I watched this morning and I liked a lot. Did you find um, it scary? Yeah. No, oh, I didn't. Uh, well, uh, as we've established, I'm, I'm easily scared. So am I, though. <laughs> That's the thing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but we could talk about it off here. But also, you should tune in to that podcast to hear my thoughts on Blair Witch Project. Um, our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Hear me. The Thorn Valley plan is the aspiration of idiots and dreamers. We, we were just talking about you. Oh, that's refreshing, Aaron. Usually you're screaming about us. <laughs> there we go. Uh, we'll see you all next week.